Hello, listeners. Welcome again to the Mysteries Unknown podcast for another segment of Behind the Mist with me, Hunter the MC. And for today's guest, I have another one of the Odd Loot crew here today, one of the Odd Boys, as we like to call them now. He is the voice of Eugene Fritz and John Mal- I'm sorry, Muddy Blanc of the Rolling in the Mist podcast. And he's also a very kind of popular voice actor you may have heard him some stuff but we'll find out more about that and now introducing the real dumpster fire of the rolling in the mist crew pablo mia why hello there how are, oh, no i'm sorry that's eugene fritz uh, uh, <coughs> sorry i meant muddy Bla- sorry, i'm pablo mia how you doing baby um <laughs> thank you for letting me be an absolute uh weirdo on here you're that was a uh, that was uh, was that off the cuff you just do that? You have that written down? That was no, I, all of this is just off the top of my head, which That's half nice. the time means I lose my place sometimes, but no, it's all natural, baby. No, that was great. <laughs> all natural. That's how we like it, baby. <laughs> um, uh, gross. Um, no, that was very kind. And uh, two things I thought while you were saying all that um, is one, <laughs> one of the odd, I am like the oddest one out. I don't know how many people know this um, uh, out there, but uh, I am the only odd loot uh, quote unquote crew member who's like not a crew member. Um, essentially, I, I, I mean, if they ask me to do anything, they, they know that I'm, I'm a working actor. And, and besides, also, so is Bravo and Bex. Um, but you know, for, for me and, and I don't know, it, this kind of just became like a unspoken understanding or whatever. We're all in a, in the same group chat on Instagram. We all talk and when it comes to rolling in the mist, I'm all there. Um, I've also done a couple of, uh, t- show title pendings. Um, but, um, in terms of like the day-to-day operations of their, you know, media group as odd loot, I'm just talent. I just like come in and play some fun characters on rolling in the mist. That's the primary project. And then I'm I don't know it's I, sometimes I feel like just like a like an honorary odd member and that's not a bad thing at all but um so I so anyway this is all to say I feel like I'm the oddest one out <laughs> the a u a w d ist out um <laughs> and then the other thing I thought I thought of when you were introducing is nah nah <laughs> you haven't heard me fucking anywhere um i apologize i yeah <laughs> i mean not any anywhere it's just like i don't know we, we can roll off the i can pull up my resume or something later and but um it's 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 i've I've done been pretty pretty humbled if that's the right way to to put that uh i haven't been really out out there but you know what this is sounding really negative take take me out take me out of here take me away hunter please uh we'll get to the resume later Yes. Yeah, so one thing I will always ask everyone, since this is a TTRPG Let's Play podcast, give us a little bit of history of like your experience with uh, tabletop games, like what got you started and kind of just how you came to be part of the Odd Loot crew. Okay, uh, so like a personal history leading up to where we are sitting right now. Um, so, <laughs> so it's going to... So much of this is going to come back to me being an, an actor, um, and and it's so I've I've went to uh, performing arts high school in in Florida, um, in in Jacksonville, Florida, called Douglas Anderson School of the Arts, class of thirteen, and uh, that I, I started being an actor in two thousand eight, a little bit before that, a couple years before high school, 
And um, that I mentioned this all because from the moment I decided to become an actor and start begin the eight and a half years of intensive training uh, that started then, uh, I became obsessed and and that became my whole life. And the the relevance of this is I had no hobbies. <laughs> I had no hobbies whatsoever. Everything was just like about playwriting and and uh, doing scenes and movies and TV. And um, so in high school, uh, uh, my best friend, who's still my best friend today, um, he was always into D uh, D and uh, he was like the only person I knew in high school around that time who was uh, super into that. And I had heard about it. I had never know, didn't you know know anything about it. Um, but um, as many people know, if you're an actor, this is your game, man. This it's 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 role playing. It's living in imaginary circumstances and living truthfully. And and if you're not an actor, what it, that's what makes it kind of a hard sell. Sometimes it's like you don't have to be an actor. You don't have to be uh, even super into fantasy lore or anything like that. It, it's just it's kind of a game that everybody can do in a collective imagination and. And it's and once you get a person to sit down at the table, once you finally get them there, uh, it's a lot of fun for anybody. It's a pretty universal good time. So it, in high school, he sat us around a table, Tyler, and uh, he was DMing. Um, and I played my first game with like my best core group of four, four broskies. Uh, and we sat down and I played a character named, uh, oh, shoot. I, can't I think you remember. may have mentioned it on a show. Was it like a dwarf named like Bumper Skin or something along that line? Damn, I remember you, you talked about it once, but I cannot remember for the life of me the exact name. It was something very dwarfish for sure. That's some mad research you just pulled out on me. Um, yes, that it was a dwarf, and I can't remember. I, I can't believe I can't remember his name. But yeah, it was like, you know, a dwarf-sounding name, Thor and Oakenfart or whatever the fuck. It was some... some it was not his name. That was not... <laughs> His name, but it, I played a dwarf. And it doesn't matter. This is I'm gonna get too idiosyncratic here. So, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I played that character with them. Uh, we did a. I, I think it was a. I think it was like a one-off campaign. I think it was the sun. The what is it called? The Sunless Citadel. Um. Oh, you're talking about the Radiant Citadel module from I, that Watson released. Yeah, it was an. It's an old D and D. Oh no 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 module. no. I think one of the older versions, they had one called Sunless Citadel. I forget for the life of me, which that sounds like it may have been either 3.0 or 3.5, I think, yeah, when that was released. for sure. Because I was about to ask you which version you started playing, because there were some that were like, some actually played like number two. Some started with like, usually it's 3.5. I've actually had a couple that said the, the um what's what I'm looking for? The, un, the, uh, the dreaded fourth edition, as some refer to it as. And then for me, I didn't start getting... I was basically, I didn't start getting in D until like just getting into the TTRPG community. And of course, for me, it's fifth edition. And I'm kind of just looking through the modules and all that. I'm not going to be running D&D because we have a, because it's made by a wonderful company that's kind of done some L's recently. But that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> well, to answer your question, I really hope I'm not disappointing folks out there, but I'm just not very well versed. It's, uh, it's, I feel like this is gonna be. <laughs> I feel like this is gonna be to anyone who's a big fan of a uh, Rolling in the Mist or our show. I feel like it's gonna be akin to finding out that Larry the Cable Guy's accent is fake. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, wait, what? His whole persona's a lie. 
Like, yeah, he's got this, like, Minnesota or Michigan accent or something like that. And and for my version, my version of that is that, like, I am not super well-versed in the different um, um, releases of D&D or even Rolling in the Mist. I, I enjoy a good – basically, I am summed up into I enjoy a good RPG game. Um, and so I don't remember which if it's 3.4, 3.5, 3.0, whatever, C3PO. I don't know which <laughs> one. I don't know which one we were playing, but it was Sunless Citadel. had something to do with a man who was uh, bonded to a tree or something, something like that. And we played. We had a great time. Uh, we even did a, like a one-shot for one of our four friends for his birthday. Um, and <laughs> for my friend Ronald, shout out to if he ever hears this. I don't know that he will. He's constantly working for the for the mouse, uh, uh, aka Disney. And Ooh, I'm so, sorry. Yeah, no, he loves it. It's his whole. It's his whole life. So that to each their own. Um, but anyways, he he's uh, my friend Ronald is gay, and so my my buddy Tyler and we're horrible, mind you, we're horrible Florida high schoolers at this time. So let your imagination run wild with how just uh, at the time not PC and not okay. We were as human beings um, around a private little uh, table, and so he made an entire, uh, an entirely gay themed um, little one-off for Ronald, who loved it. Um, and so that was the next game that I played. Then I did not play uh, for many years until uh, eventually Tyler and I moved at different times here to LA. We uh, we still now we both live here now and. Um, and he, one, got me involved into a, another game that we're currently in a campaign. We're doing uh, the, what is it called? Dragon Heist in Waterdeep. Um, yes, that's yeah, what it's so, called. So he's the, great. See, I, I know some things. Uh, get, her, <laughs> uh, uh, get her done. Uh, so he, we're playing that, and we've been playing that. Literally, we started it um, in the pandemic. Uh, we started in 2020. We're still playing uh, because you know how it is. Um, it's like for different groups, especially if I said, like I said, if it's just an every any any day people or people who work in different industries, it, there's like five of us. It's it's hard, even for Oddly for us. It's it takes forever for us to get our schedules synced up. Um, and so we've been playing the same game for three years, and uh, a little That's bit. That's how before, it works. <laughs> yes, and I think it was either then or in 2019, 2019 or 20. Tyler convinced me to DM for the first time. Um, and so I have had a majorly postponed but thoroughly begun and, and um, I don't know, uh, adventured game of Curse of Strahd that I'm DMing. Um, so I'm enjoy- I was enjoying that, but then schedules just became crazy and some things changed, and so now we're waiting to pick that back up. Okay, uh, actually, I zipped past meeting Bravo, because um, I don't know if this might be a question that you... I'm just going to f- blend your answers to maybe potential <laughs> questions coming up. Coming yeah, well, up here. part of the question was like how you got brought into yeah. the Odd Boy crew. And so, yeah. yeah, probably you mean Bravo, I would assume, ties into it in some way. Bravo's the whole reason for me um, that this ever happened because uh, so rewind to 20, either late 2017 or early 2018. Um, I took uh, a commercial acting workshop. Um, uh, a very well-known one in LA known as Killian's Workshop. I took the foundation class and that's where I met Bravo, uh, a fellow actor in the class. And, and when we were there and, you know, if you've ever met Bravo in person, 
you know, he's a mover and a groover, man. He, he, uh, he, he hustles, he networks, he works. Um, have you, have you gotten to talk to Bravo on here? Yeah. I'm, I'm ignorant. I don't actually um, know. Um, actually, yeah. Um, I actually, I kind of quote, I quote unquote hired him to do the content warning for my podcast. Oh, so if you listen to like the main, like let's play episodes, you'll hear, this is a content warning. All episodes of mystery zone may include a, uh, foul language, fancy violence, blood, or worst thing of all, sexual content. This discretion oh is advised. Because the thing is, right. I really liked how he did it for y'all show, and I wanted that. But he's like, yeah, I would. I want to try to make it different. I don't want it to be like an exact copy of what we do. And so he sent me like three, four different takes. And of course, so I'm like, oh, the sexual content one. I figure if we put emphasis on that, would be better. And so uh, he did one. It was the the sexual content, all kind of like Playboy esque sounding. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and so, and then he didn't really charge me for it, but I did talk, promise him I tipped him for his work, which unfortunately took me a lot longer to do than I wanted to. So, Bravo, if you're hearing this, I apologize that it took me so long to give you that tip. So, and titties. Now the <laughs> sexual, now the sexual content warning was legitimate, and it was worth it. <laughs> it I don't apply it to the Behind the Mist episodes, but now it just said an undisclaimed titties. <laughs> it's like titties, oftentimes, titties. <laughs> oftentimes the best kind or the undisclaimed. Undis- I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was just gonna answer that. That, that oh. we actually. We did like an almost two hour like talk where it was just me and him. And it was just me listening, him listening to me just rant and rave about how much I loved rolling in the mist for the most part. And then we kind of did the little talking about the, uh, the con- what we want for the content warning. But yeah, I have talked to him in the past. So that was the one time I've actually like got the video call and talked to him. So, all right. Um, what he's said about this in your conversation, but we did meet at a commercial acting workshop. Uh, wow like five five and a half years ago um excuse me and even at that time as walking out with him one night after class and he had mentioned to me and and another friend of mine who i was taking the class with that he was starting a a media company called odd loot um that he was modeling after the inspiration of rooster teeth which was something that i was also ignorant about at the time because (laughs) i was a rock um and so um he thought that's the first mention he had of it to me and then maybe like a year later or within the next year i want to say year year and a half um you know we stayed in touch and i think he came over to help me with a self-tape audition or something like that and uh he had brought the book over i think he had even called me about this before he had brought me the city of mist book to like he lent he lent it to me to like look through it see if i was interested told me about the game and you know, I guess I haven't even thought or talked about this. I hope nothing that I say is like offensive. It's just like what happened. I, I wasn't sure if I was interested at the time uh, just because I was starting to kickstart my acting career. And again, no, this call comes back to no hobbies. <laughs> and so I was like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, viewers, I am coming out of being under the weather. So the character voices you're wanting to hear may be a bit tampered uh, or tainted. So I apologize for that too. Um, so he, uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it, um, especially cause I was only looking for like paid opportunities and things like that. Um, but then he told me about it and he introduced me to Kevin. So I met Kevin uh, directly through Bravo. And I think that that was, 
after like we played the first game. I think I had just like agreed. And at that time it was just us and Jason, Jason Bravo and Kevin and I, just the four amigos and Chris, of course, on the board. Um, so the five of us. Um, and yeah, we just got playing. And then I started with them. We've been doing it for the last like four, oh God, like again, four or five years. That's insane to say out loud. Um, and it became a thing where like, you know, because we have such a, a humble following and all, and we love each and every one of you. Um, it, <laughs> I openly laugh about this with them that like, you know, every once in a while, based off our merch or our Patreon or something, you know, we split the Patreon and, and we don't do it for the money. We do it to have fun. Um, at least that's, I'm speaking for myself right now. And um, every once in a while, Kevin will send like 17 cents. <laughs> 17 cents via Venmo. And I'm like, fantastic. Five more months. I can afford a pack of gums. <laughs> this is great. Good now, this is, this is living. Um, because, and it's sweet of him to even send that, you know, I, I, one of my, uh, mentors in the industry, who's a, a, a talent manager, I, I'll never forget. He was talking about how his clients will sometimes take lower pay, even union jobs. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. And his commission might be like six bucks or something if it was a really bad job. And, um, and he said that his clients would tell him, do you still want your six bucks? And he was like, you're damn right. I want my six bucks <laughs> because it doesn't matter how small it's like, it's, you know, money's money. Um, but I think that that's um, super funny. I, I just, I started doing it with them because I was like, what the hell? This sounds like fun. I haven't played this RPG before. It'd be nice to expand out and, and, and try some different things. I, uh, I haven't listened to them for a while, but I, I was a big fan and, and continue to be a big fan of the McElroys, um, the McElroy brothers who do uh, advent, uh, Adventure Zone. Oh, yeah. Everyone talks about them. Oh, my. Have you not listened to the Adventure Zone? My dude. Oh, God. Fantastic. I mean, the McElroy brothers, Griffin in particular, who usually is the, is the most common DM, man, their first season like blew them up and now they are, they make so much different kind of content. They, they have like a small little empire within their family. It's three brothers and a father. Um, I'm just as my shameless free plug for the adventure zone and the McElroy family. Um, but it is, it is genius. I mean, the, the stuff that they, the campaign that they play anyway, so they, they play uh, outside of D and D. They did a couple seasons playing different games but yeah, because I heard tell... they played Monster of the Week was one of them. I remember hearing yes. about that one. That's, I think, their second season, second or third. They're playing Monster of the Week instead, and it's like 20 to 30-something episodes, and uh, it's fantastic, and that got me jazzed about that, too. So I think I was in the midst of um, in the midst of the mist. I was listening to them and um, getting excited uh, about playing other RPGs and and we also played a, a one-off Monster of the Week with uh, us Odd Loot. Um, and that so, was a really good episode. I really enjoyed yeah. that that little sideshow. Yeah, that was a bl- oh yeah with my Jason Statham inspired character or whatever. That was and terrible. Was Bravo <laughs> just like the the Kevin Carpenter kid version that had no powers? Was that Bravo? I think that was Jason. I think that's very much a Jason thing to just be. I'm going to be Kevin Carpenter, and I'm like, you're an idiot. Um, and i and i tell him that to his face with love all the time um so i'm gonna try and keep my answers condensed because i am loquacious and this is why maybe this is why they don't ask me to be on more things 
so I don't <laughs> shut up. Um, no, it's because we're busy. Um, and and so my last thing on that, just to button it, is um, if I can remember with my brain flatulence, it, it you know, I started with them because I wasn't I was I I wasn't represented when we started. I didn't have an agent, didn't have a manager. I'm not sure that Bravo did at the time either. Um, so I can only imagine, and I don't know that for sure, but bottom line is I wasn't getting the kind of auditions I'm, uh, grateful and blessed to be getting, uh, these days, not right now because of the, uh, actors, the labor workers strike, the actors in WGA strike and, uh, all solidarity to that fist up. Um, but I, you know, I had the time. And then as we kept going with it and I got a little busier, now it's a little harder to get sessions, but I didn't, I was not going to quit this because this is just like so much fun. Um, and we just go and we, we, we record for like four to five, maybe six hours at a time. We get a lot in the can and then we do it again in a couple months um, when we can. And it's, it's just been a real highlight of my LA life here. Uh, so I hope that answers all of that question. <laughs> Yes. So just a couple points I want to touch. So talking about how long you guys have been around. So the session zero prologue for the first season was released on December 28th, 2018. Your guys last episode was August 31st, 2022. So you guys have been going around for, yeah, almost five years now. Yeah, th- this year will make, so you said December, so uh, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, this will be five years this month. I mean, th- this year. Uh, wow. Thank you for doing that quick maths. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to go put some face cream on to hide these uh, <laughs> wrinkles on my these these these, these poor crow's feet. Oh, <laughs> and a completely, a completely side tangent because you talking about the the extra excuse. I don't know if this is appropriate for me. The extra gay one shot that you all ran for your friend's you, birthday. Yeah, you can say me, talk. About, yeah, made me think of. Uh, so there's a, another podcast I listened to. They run a lot of different just like because there's websites that will literally all they have is like just there's one page rpgs and this podcast did in one page rpg and it's it's literally called big gay orcs love it and all it is it's it's the it's like the night before the big battle and if they can't if they're gonna die tomorrow how are they gonna spend their last nights together big gay so. orc orgy big gay if i may or or wait wait oh wait orc-gy. for it g damn it how dare you <laughs> How dare you? Unless they do that in the show, then it's not original. <sighs> if they do, I listen. I don't know if I'll have time to listen to it. I don't know if I'll ever get. I don't know if you send it to me. But but if two things: one, if they don't say orkji in the pod in the game, uh, it's not worth it. And also, it's a uh, uh, missed opportunity. Reverse that. First of all, best opportunity. Second of all, not sure I'm, it's going to be worth it for me if they don't say Orc G. It was actually like the very first game this podcast ran, so I'll make sure to send it to you once we're done with this. Dope. And now to put the train back on the tracks. Please, dear God. Uh, <laughs> so let's get to know about the characters you play in Rolling the Mist. First, starting off with the most beloved Eugene Fritz. Oh, Which you mean made this motherfucker right here. Ooh. I don't know. I haven't played him yes. in a while. <laughs> it's like crackers. <clears throat> yeah, I'll do crackers for the rest of today. That's 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 uh, in my range right now. <clears throat> so you, so we saw Eugene Fritz join after because you didn't join until after they finished their first arc with the schizophrenic teenager necromancer skid. Yeah. And- 
that intro they did for you was amazing. It's like, oh, he's a shy guy. He's getting like, he leaps over a fence. Oh, yeah. God, thank you for sending me back there in my mind. I came, I was like, when you reached out to me about this, I was like, I should probably like revisit like some highlight moments of Eugene. And then I was just like, motherfucker, you know, you ain't going to take the time to do that. I will tell you right now, I have listened to every episode of y'all's podcast at least three times. So because Holy it, shit. It's one of those I say it's got that replay value. No matter how many times I listen Aww. to it, I laugh at the exact same parts every time. You know, no I matter what, during the Sorry, go ahead. I'll oh, let you finish think, your thought. No, I think there was a lag there. I thought because I heard a I heard a pause. Please continue. I was gonna say because no matter how many times I listen to this episode, at the end of the casino heist, Eugene Fritz. And Rob and Dr. Leo, it's like, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we do. Teamwork. Wind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my laugh is so ugly right now. I, I lost my voice a few weeks ago. I told you before we started recording. Oh, my God. Oh, wind me. Oh, man. This is what I'm talking about. It's just fun. Like, when I started getting busier, like, I feel like there's a lot of actors out there. It's like, I just can't. You know, it's like when an actor leaves a TV show, they got really too big and whatever. Uh, that's not the case that happened with me. But, <laughs> but in this case, like, I was like, I don't care how busy I am. I will always find time to come back for moments like that. It's moments like that with these ding-dongs who I, <laughs> who I adore that I, you know, I come back for. Wind me. That's so funny. What? I'm going to activate the- your weakness tag, impulsive. What? wind me wind me yeah and and the intro i remember now there was a chase scene we met in the chase scene uh leaping over a fence yeah that was so i'm gonna dive with the uh the uh the red rider knuckle v rift yeah that was so creative and i got so hooked on that after finding out about that was because that's also the knuckle v isn't also in the scp wiki as well as the Orcadian horsemen, and I've got so looked deep, and I like deep dive into the history of that creature after finding that out about the Red Rider. Oh, dope. Um, yeah, that's I'm gonna give all that to um to Kevin, um, and Amit Mosh, I believe. Uh, I, the, I don't. I guess, let me, let me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking and we should totally cut this out. I think Kevin Carpenter came that one all on his own. Cause I remember someone asked about that and oh, okay. I remember him talking about like, think I think he was looking over like different creatures and the knuckle of V came up and was like, what if that was a motorcycle? Because the knuckle of V it's a person attached to, it's a skinless person attached to a completely skinless horse and oh, it's all yeah. muscle. And it's instead the red rider attaches to her motorcycle and she can stretch because the knuckle of V's have like elongated limbs that they could just use to basically grab people. And in the, sorry, nerding out here for a moment in the SCP wiki, uh, they were known to, I think it was like during either World War One or World War Two in the wiki, in the SCP wiki, they were known to, like groups of Nekalevi would scavenge the battlefield for like dead and wounded soldiers during the war at night. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's the man, that's the, that's the, that's the KFC as we call him. That's KFC. That's the kind of work that he puts down in the, and KFC is Kevin fucking Carpenter. I think yeah, Kevin freaking Carpenter is what I was for yeah. first. Either Kevin freaking or Kevin fucking. Yes, I love oh, that. Oh, <laughs> you know. You know it's Kevin fucking Carpenter. Because uh, we don't mess around. We don't play. Um, yeah, we said that on some episode, I think. And it's stuck. We call him KFC. That's the kind of work that he puts <laughs> in, man. He puts in the research. He he blows us away every time. Um, 
and and just uh, craft such great adventure and surprising moments. Um, and in terms of that scene with the Red Rider and the chase scene, that I'm glad you brought up that moment because it's kind of the perfect access point for me to talk about um, finding a balance with Eugene as I was playing him along the way, which actually is, it's, it's something I struggle with with every RPG character that I create. I don't know if this is a common phenomenon, but if you create a character and you have in your mind exactly what you designed this character to be able to achieve, what you designed this character to excel at, be weak at, what you designed this character to do, like what, like what function, you know what I mean? They were supposed to play. And with Eugene, with Marty Blanc, um, <clears throat> with the character I'm playing with Tyler in the, in the, in the dragon heist game, I play an elf named Lark. Uh, it, all these characters I design, I'm like, Oh, you know, uh, both actually weirdly Marty Blanc and Lark, are two characters that I kind of designed to be able to talk their way out of anything. And Eugene, very obviously, you know, at least in the beginning, I designed as a character who provided some contrast, and I'll get more, I'll touch on that more contrast later, but contrast to the other characters who had already been introduced, and also have him be charismatically uh, contrasting in that he was more introverted, a little more spineless, a little more, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Mysterious, like, because there was that, the whole, especially the whole mystery about his friend that we never really got to see. It was just like, we oh, know something yeah. happened, but we never get that detail. It just, because oh, yeah. I'm like, wait, where's a, what was it? Christoph was his name, I think, was Eugene's yeah, friend. Let's, yeah, let's Christoph. go with that. Yes. It was Let's Christopher, it. Christoph, it was something it was like that. I'm be honest, I think it was Christopher. And I'm embarrassed to yeah. not, like if, like, if I don't have the answer, then we're in trouble. But, um, yes, I believe it was Christopher, and I, I gave, and I worked on that backstory. I, I can't remember if Kevin asked me to or if I just decided to, because I... Want, and you provided him, like, ten pages, and Kevin said how proud he was that you gave him so much to work with? Oh, okay, great. So we're ahead, you already have all this information. Fantastic. Yeah, I gave him, like, a page or two. No way it was 10. No fucking way. There was um, quite a few pages. I remember Kevin Carpenter saying it was quite a bit of amount, but he was appreciative that he got a lot of these stuff to work with. Yeah, he loves that. And that's and I knew that. So I wanted to give him plenty to like um to 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 work with and like to to source material to like spring up so that he never felt like at least where Eugene was concerned, he didn't have a way to go with him or something to like throw at Eugene as a curveball or something to help his character grow. I kind of did that with my DM with Lark uh, in the Waterdeep campaign too. I gave us, uh, he's, I made my character eighth in line for the family at uh, fortune. He's from a rich family. And so I sent my DM all seven other siblings who came before me. <laughs> like, here's who all the other siblings are. They all start with L and they all, here's what their professions are, and here's what they're known for. He has still not used it. I don't think he's ever going to use it. It's a different, different uh, GMs, different strokes. You know what I mean? Um, but I hope, I, I keep hope alive that I'm one, going to meet one of them. One of my favorite scenes from the first season, and it was the, and this was what solidified my absolute adoration for Eugene Fritz, was Birds of a Feather. 
the rooftop scene with Otis. <laughs> yeah. That whole episode of just you and oh. Kevin back and forth okay. with Otis on the rooftop was just spectacular. <laughs> you and are I cannot it's hard I cannot sit through that episode without laughing for like a single second just because of how great that episode was. <laughs> we had so much fun and, and I still um do you like the tea? I made it with birdseed. Birdseed. I love his character so this much. Homeless fuck right here. This homeless fucking. Where did I hear it? Like, I think they brought back like a, a throwback or something. They put it in the chat sometime recently. I or I no, I think I shared it on Facebook and it came in my memories. Yes, that was it. Uh, I think Chris Rangel was editing and he's like, and he posted it on Facebook, being like, I can't get through these without cracking up. And it was the moment. Uh, it was like in the first conversation, exactly the moment the episode you're talking about. Um, and he and this, you are knocking these segues, by the way, Hunter, out of the park because <laughs> uh, exactly that is what I was is what I was getting at in terms of balance for Eugene. Where, which I guess you could kind of chalk up to character development. I don't know. I'm not going to give myself that pat on the back. I don't think that that's what it is. More so, I think it's my inability to be consistent because I designed him. Look what happened. Look what happened. I designed him to be a meek, little scrawny thing who has, of course, uh, ironically, the bulldozering power of the Minotaur. And he ends up being this back talky, fucking sassy. Oh, Eugene had the smart. sass no matter he every time. A, he's such a fucking smart ass. He, and, and you know who? And so this is. Oh my god! I say it all the time, and again, I don't mean to be negative. I just I like to just be honest about my perception of everything, everyone, but especially myself. There's something that I I I say a lot, um, maybe too much, uh, about myself as an artist. Whenever I'm uh, asked about it, or whenever it's in, we're in the conversation about it, I consider myself um, currently uh, a better performer than an actor. And I set out to be a great actor, so I, of course, am working on that and perfecting that craft. But I think there is a difference um, because a good actor, uh, you know, would probably, in my opinion, keep the consistency of the character. You know, uh, and I say this as a voice actor, too. A voice is not a character. You know, if I slip into Eugene right now and I just start to talk like Eugene Fritz and whatever, and then all of a sudden I drop the voice and I'm back to me, nothing changed. I'm being Pablo, but I'm talking like this. And guess what? I'm just Pablo. Like, it, it, so, so what's that whole separate character from you? Yes. Well, I, yes, I, exactly. That's what I aim to do. But goddamn, goddamn me when it like, so help me when I get in front of Kevin, who's. Come on, I, I, get off my ass there! But like, fuck, come on! He's coming at me with a character that sounds like this, uh, and I'm not supposed to fuck with him. Fucking, it, it's hilarious, and and also this the setting, the scenery. This eye patch guy who's clearly Zeus, covered in birds. Oh, and not bird no shit. Odin, not Zeus. He was Odin because oh, thank the bird you. powers. It's the like bird. I can throw yes. over all the birds in the city. You mean yes, just like just normal birds, not tropical pet birds or flightless birds? Well, Crackers is a parrot and he's in the city, so of course he, I can, he's, I can control him. He's a bird in the city. Wow, I would never have to like find the episodes and and listen to them again. I could just call you and you could recite each one by heart. I believe that. It's I like, believe I'm that sorry, what you're seeing through bird powers at? 
Yeah, and that's the best thing is that he, <laughs> then he just throws the sass right it's back. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do you have turn to burn powers? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't have turn. I'm, geez, you don't have to be all pissy about it. Like, it's so anyway, back to the so, uh, talking about Eugene. I, you know, I, I think he does have this arc. He finds his confidence. He's able to um, confront uh, Christopher's mother because without getting into the whole backstory um truly is that essentially chris uh i thought we had i thought we ironed it out in the show but um if okay it wasn't, so if it wasn't alert for those who haven't listened to the show oh, yes. yet, but it's been out for that fc has been out for years so we're gonna say no you basically y'all did state that chris that you had eugene basically like right before he ran off to go fight dracula basically yeah. tell christopher's mother it was my hand that ended christopher's life and then he just runs off yeah. Well, so was to, yeah, it was so. applied that he did that Eugene might have killed him, but how that came to be, we never know. Ah, uh, there it is. Yes. And I had the whole backstory. I don't know. I guess we just, you know, we, Kevin has a roadmap, of course, but then he has to deal with us fuckers. Um, just absolutely throwing mashed potato and jello into the street and making a stream like slip and slide all over the place out of the way. And I think that by the time we were, <clears throat> it's I, I take the blame. I take accountability, frankly, because you know he's just playing with me in the scene, and we're seeing where it goes. And in that moment, I think the best that Eugene could do uh, was to just yeah, like exactly rip off the bit, ba- like the body size band aid, um, like that, and just leave because I, it was my fault, and I left. And because I, I think that that was all that really mattered. There was a whole specific story, um. I think it had to do with like gang violence or something, something like that. You know, I think Christopher was in a certain place because of Eugene. Like, I, I don't even know if I can, you know what? If you want, I can see if it's on this damn computer, but I don't know that it is. Nope. In fact, I know it's not. Never mind. So, yes, he was in the wrong place because of Eugene. And um, I think Eugene avenged him in the same moment, but it was too late. And he's never been able to, um, you know, tell Christopher's mother who was like a mother to Eugene himself that this happened and um, he watches her and makes sure that she's okay and you know monitors her from afar and just to just to protect her and but can never come up to the door we uh, saw Eugene change so much over the course of the first season because well that's he, a relief he went from being very introverted and keeping to himself to really it's because the casino arc was when it all happened. We finally stepped out of that shell a little bit. Cause I think you actually like replaced one of your themes after he, they, after y'all tried to break oh. into the vault. Yeah. The I think portal. That was when some of the King Mino star stuff also started to come out in him as well, because y'all established that, Oh, King Minos and the Minotaur story are kind of go hand in hand with each other. So that was able, you were able to work that together. And that's how the mm-hmm. wind me thing came around later. Wind me, me. bitch. <laughs> Uh, yeah no that's a relief to hear that there was an arc with him um i hope we feel the same way about marty blanc once that whole uh season is released um uh well i can talk more about that later but i'll I'll go back to you well actually that was i was gonna say that's a perfect segue because now let's because we've talked about eugene so much and we need to give as much as i would love to just keep on talking about eugene and all the part moments i love with him i we need to go ahead and let's talk about what inspired marty blanc Oh, what inspired Marty Blanc? Oh, well, if besides we John Mulaney, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, just to wrap up, I guess I'll use this too. Just for Eugene's contrast, I already talked about the charismatic, but uh, or the charismatic contrast. But also, I think you know we had. Um, God, I'm a I'm a dick. I'm trying to remember Jason's powers in the first um, season as a as a mm, ghostly as ghostly Gumshoe or uh, Samuel Arthur. Payne. Arthur Arthur Strange and Samuel um, Osi- Payne. He was Osiris. He was the rift of Osiris. Right. But um, but he, he was hardly Osiris. ever used those powers because he no was he hardly ever used his powers and <laughs> and we lost him spoiler of course halfway through and then we have Samuel Payne and then we get Arthur back as a ghost hilarious awesome he's a phantom he's <laughs> he's a phantom and also incredibly <laughs> op I feel like Arthur became by the way just as a footnote I think Arthur when he came back as a ghost became this absolutely op underutilized like Captain Marvel type character where. Like, oh my god, you can go through walls, you can possess people, you can't die. This is fucking that evil whole, character. The whole trying to break the red rider out of the prison, like I'm going it's like I'm going to infect this person went douche. Now this one, douche, this one yeah, just repeatedly until he's part of the prison riot. And that, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentle thems, is motherfucking Jason Pagero and all his bullshit. Um, <laughs> and then um the uh, when they get the Red Rider out and they meet back at uh, Big Mike's mechanic shop, and the Big Mike is just like, "Oh, you have a problem there. Your feet are touching the ground. I have a lot of problems." Yeah, <laughs> he's funny, he man. He wouldn't have the fact that he was a ghost. He just floated there without a care in the world. Yeah, he just floated through everywhere. I'm like, do we even need to play this? Do and we that's need, what, need to play this out. That was where the homeless fuck kid like came from. Where Jason, it's like Otis comes out. It's like, who's this homeless fuck? And Otis is like, this homeless fuck. Ortish Melbourne at your service. <laughs> I love to do that voice every chance that I get. I'm, uh, I'm green with envy that that Kevin so, has copyrighted it. I know Kevin knows about this. I told Bex this when I had her on. I don't know if you know, but in the City Mist Discord server, like after that first season, y'all did Rolling the Mist. People would, for the longest time, people were would react in the Discord when Kevin would post up a new episode with a parent emojis. For crackers, lol. And everyone would, and like sometimes when they talk about like their games, it's like, oh, this was my crackers NPC of the game that we had. So we literally everyone would like like have their own version of crackers the NPC. Oh fuck yeah, that's awesome. I don't know this. I'm 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 okay. Self admitted, self proclaimed, like absentee parent in this <laughs> in this family. Like I'm so sorry, but but I tell you what, I'm so grateful to. Um, to Kevin and to Bravo, to the whole gang. Um, but I, I, I'm thinking Kevin right off the top of my head, who is very good about taking screenshots of. I'm gonna just talk to the to the greater Odd Loot fam now, and just like every one of y'all's um sweet comments, um, and and praise and 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 things that they're doing that are inspired by our game, which is so fucking cool because it, we are like part of the pioneership of this. Um, this RPG, which is only like a couple, a few years old, right? So, um, City of Mist is, I think they just celebrated five years. Yeah, currently. It's, so, so that's it's, thing, it's that's, been around as long as you all have. Well, that that's the thing. That's why Bravo brought it up to me five years ago. Is he was on the know about it? Like this, just is like less than a year old of an RPG. It's up and coming. It's big. This is how it works. Sounds fun. You want to do it? We're going to be the first, one of the first, and we were. We're on their website. Like we're one of the first main podcasts to play this game, um, actual play podcast style. So, 
Um, and I was like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Like that was part of the pitch and part of the thing that was exciting to me about it. Um, but anyway, so, so Kevin, uh, will always post or update us on like nice things that everyone's saying. He often sends me directly things that people are saying about Eugene or Marty Blanc. And, uh, it's incredibly flattering, incredibly humbling. And so, um, I might gush about that again later, but, um, yeah, uh, I forgot how we got on that. (laughs) So just a quick little backstory with me really quick before we go back into talking about John, not John Mulaney, Marty Block. I, now I'm getting the names mixed up in my head because of John Mulaney. Yeah. So, so, okay. So I, like I was, I've heard of D and D before. Like I was familiar with Cricket World, but I never really was into like that TTRPG space for like mm-hmm. the longest time. Mm-hmm. Then during the year of our Lord and Savior COVID-19, as I like to call it, um, mm-hmm. you all actually, cause I also do, I rec- write and record my own music on the side and the odd loop Instagram page, followed my music page. Mm. And I, I'm like, Oh, who's this? And so, cause I, on my music page, I just follow everyone. So I checked y'all out and I saw, Oh, they're doing this podcast. And so I start. I think y'all were just about to end the first arc nice. when I started listening to it and I got hooked and I'm like, wait, this is a game where I can play as someone modern day with powers. And yeah. that's what got me into doing city of mist. And I actually, I was going to be a player originally, but no one was running the game. So I decided, okay, I guess I'm going to run the games then. And so my first game lasted about half a year. And it was basically me just throwing a bunch of pop culture stuff into like this <laughs> horror campaign. I made cause literally like the main bag, but bad guy that they fought in the end was the slender man was who they fought at the very end of it all after the six month long campaign that we did. Wow. And then after that, I listened to the calamity series that critical role did. And that's kind of what Brennan Mulgan style of a uh, run right. of narration. I re- because of, because, and I say this a lot, I have autism and the phrase that we mm-hmm. use is we think in pictures, not in words. So that wow. narration style that Brennan Lee Mulligan has really just kind of resonate with me with how I kind of like in visualize things as they play out. Like if I'm reading a book, it's a movie playing in my head as I describe. So I'm like, yes, this is kind of like what I'm trying to go for. I want that good narration. I want to tell this free flowing story where they're fighting the bad guy, solving the mystery, saving the day, whatever it is. And that's what got me to start the podcast that I'm doing now. So I accidentally muted myself. That is, <laughs> that is, it has to be said. That's first of all, that's fucking awesome. Secondly, um, Brendan Lee Mulligan, uh, it has to be said, is is the patron saint of DMing, I feel like. Um, definitely when Tyler asked me to DM uh, Curse of Strahd, uh, I pulled, I watched so much D- uh, Dimension 20, man. And um, I, I just, I, I reaped so much inspiration and benefits from, uh, from Brendan Lee Mulligan, who... <laughs> I, okay i'll say this but no we got it i'm sure we gotta move on but it's like it's nuts being in la um i know we're in different time zones right now but, it's, but my buddy tyler and i are also very uh especially tyler are very avid uh patrons and, and often participants in the comedy scene in la and uh so we've been to more than one like comedy uh comedy club or something or uh improv theater where two seats down from us is is brendan lee mulligan just sitting down there and we're two we're just too fanboy. We do not go over there. <laughs> we do not talk to him. We cannot. He's oh, so I would have rushed right over there and I would have just been like, 
Oh my god, because like because I had Kevin Carpenter. He was my first behind the mist episode that I did. And most of the time it was just me just gushing over how much Rolling in the Mist inspired me to just get into the game and do my own show. So it's like and he's kind of like, of course, this back when the I was of course I was able to do the videos and they were working properly, seeing him come was kind of like kind of just he, like you see him get taken aback by it a little bit, not to embarrass Kevin in any way. But no. he's definitely like him and Brendan together were like big inspirations for how I like to run my games and running games in general now. So, well, I can't speak for them, but maybe, maybe a little bit, Kevin and myself, based on what you're saying, it's, I think it's, um, you know, we're, we're just having a good time and, and they're, they're pushing and moving and grooving. Like I said about Bravo, they're, they're all, they're hustling to make this thing, uh, a real, a, a real, real project, which it is, um, that, that creates real community. And I think sometimes when we hear certain things from, um, devoted fans and friends like yourself, um, like those things that he sends me, those nice comments that he sends me, for example, it can be a little bewildering that like, cause we're so in the moment and in the work, just having a good time with each other that when we see the reflections of how it's affecting other people's lives and day to days and, um, and their own hobbies and spare time and free time, their own passions. It's, we were like, oh, it's just a moment of like, wow, we really, wow, this means something to these people. And it's, um, it's heartwarming and it's, and it can kind of take us aback <laughs> when that happens. So it's only, it's all love. It's all love. Yep. All right. Now back to John Mulaney. Mm. <laughs> Me, Marty Long. <laughs> so Marty Blanc. So, so yeah. So I, because I'm horrible at just staying on topic. Like you, every time I pick a character um, to join the Odd Loot crew, I I like to be the last one. I like to be the last one to establish a character because maybe it's a cheat or a cheap way of of doing things. But I like to see whatever. Well, the thing is, the rest of the the gang is is so good at just coming up with what they want to do, and I don't have. That's not. Just, I just don't like to come up with someone right away like that. I like to see what's already on the charcuterie board here. And I see we got these three different types of cheeses or crackers or whatever, but hey, we don't got grapes. So let me throw in some grapes. I like to complete whatever the palette of the of the crew is with whatever is missing, uh, in my opinion. And so, you know, I, uh, we had Arthur Strange and we had Leo and, and they had these different kinds of superpowers for Eugene. But I was like, oh, we don't have someone who's just muscle. We have like these other power. We don't have just like a bulldozer. We don't have a muscle. We don't have a pun- a puncher. And also charismatically, wouldn't it be cool if we had someone who is the least likely to be the puncher be the puncher? Um, so that's the second thing I like to do when I come up with these characters. Besides provide contrast and and com- uh, well round the crew, I like to. Um, uh, man, that was the worst part to have a brain fart. Shit. <laughs> I. Um, uh, I like to base the the powers and the lore also based on what's what's not already there. Um, shoot, I forgot entirely what I was saying. Oh well, moving on. So Marty Blanc, um, same thing. Uh, but I also this time wanted to contrast Eugene. I wanted to for myself as a performer, um, in this thing. To all right, I played the 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 spineless scrawny um introvert little shut away guy what's the opposite of that i want to play a suave smooth talking uh very charismatic 
and uh, wildly different kind of powered, kind of like a uh, uh, wildly different kind of powered character. So I came up with Marty Blanc. Um, I I came up with the name. How did I? Oh, uh, well, two things. One, I was looking for a name that um, would kind of encapsulate a, a quick, like what what name sounds good when I extend my hand and half of my body towards you for a handshake with an ear to ear, twinkling smile, and uh, and a wink, like with a hi, Marty Blanc, nice to meet you. Hi, Marty Blanc, good to see you. Marty Blanc, good to see you. And just a salesman. That was the other thing, the profession of the mundanity. I was like, what kind of uh, job have we not played around with yet? And uh, that is not already established as we're preparing all our characters um, for season two. And I was like, you know, I think a salesman would be fun. Um, because, and I came up with that profession based on the, I keep using this word, but this uh, charisma that I wanted to capture. Who's super charismatic? It's a cliche, but the stereotype is that salesmen are very like uh, cheeky. And I wanted someone cheeky. Um, so I was like, Marty Blanc. Uh, that's the first inspiration of where the name came from. The second was, uh, and I'm actually staring at the photo right now in my um, VO booth. Um, I was gifted, um, I was gifted a, an autographed photo of Mel Blanc, um, who is, uh, I would say, my patron saint of... Uh, <laughs> so... so BLM is my patron saint of DMing and, and GMing, but my patron saint of animation voiceover would be Mel Blanc, who, for those who don't know, is the original voice of uh, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Tweety, Sylvester, like all of the Looney Tunes. Um, and even the ones he didn't... Whoa, geez. You, what was that? Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't pick up. I was trying to read you tweet like, I thought I thought pretty good. Yeah, I thought I thought pretty okay. He did, I did that. I did. See now, I now you're now you're flexing because I don't have my higher register and I can't join you. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm messing around. But he, <laughs> yeah. So he, so I was gifted a photo of of that person. And he's always been an inspiration to me in in terms of um uh, being a voice actor, which is why I keep the photo here in my booth so that when I'm doing auditions, I, I can look at it for inspiration, and it does help. Um, so. Instead of Mel, I changed it to Marty because I always thought that the Blanc um, was was a classy last name. Um, I even have a good friend whose last name is Blanc, um, and that's uh, neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but he also had this kind of pencil thin mustache sometimes, and that's where the mustache for uh, really the the real mythos of Marty Blanc is Mel Blanc. <laughs> At, whoa, actually, that was a joke, but as I'm thinking about that a little more. <laughs> Yeah, you could say that the reason I went with, well, I had to make all this work, right? For the for the sake of the game mechanics, I had to make this all come together. And so um, I'm sure either consciously or subconsciously, the, the fact that uh, the late great Mel Blanc was very much a vocal shapeshifter for all of his characters was something that, ca- that fell into my, my brain place when I was coming up with Marty. Um, and so I wanted the shape-shifting power to be there for, for that kind of reason. And then I had to find the mythos that would make sense. Who the fuck shapeshifts? And I think I had already been toying around when I ha- asked myself that question with the myth of the uh, Kamiho or the Kitsune. Um, different translations, of course. Um, I think you said, was it the Korean version of the Kitsune I call? Because there's I, different versions depending on the origin of it. Now, don't, I quote, 
Don't quote me. I believe Kamiho is Japanese. And yes, Kitsune is what I went with for the show, which is the Korean. And I believe that is the one that uh, was used in uh, HBO's Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, mm. which is a show I, I very much vibed with, um, at least the most of it. Um, and so I was like, oh, yeah, I know about the Smith. I also know that they did an episode of um, Love, Death, and Robots about it, um, about that character. So I was, I'm always kind of... Um, been uh interested or a little infatuated with that um mythos and so i was like let's find a let's do some more research and find ways to to bring that in yeah so the opening scene for marty block was also just spectacular where he's in his element at the car dealership and then there's like this middle class family that he basically I don't want to say swindles, it sounds bad, but basically he swindles the dad to buy two cars, pissing off the wife so much. I have two two big thoughts on this as it pertains to this episode and the whole season. One, I did not think <laughs> they're exact opposite thoughts. One, I did not think Kevin was actually gonna make me sell a car. <laughs> because guess what? Because <laughs> guess what? Pablo Mia. You expect Kevin Carpenter not to do something? That was your first mistake. That was my first mistake. Pablo Mia knows jack all shit about cars in general. (laughs) Because you all had to keep asking Chris about the cars during the episodes. Yeah, we. Yeah, we. That's number one. And then, so I didn't. I didn't think he was actually going to make me sell a car. So when we started to set up the scene for me to sell to this family of four or five or whoever, I was like, LOL, this is going to be hilarious because it's going to be very evident. I have no idea what. So I have to find a way. And this is the great performing challenge (laughs) to sell a car without saying anything about the fucking car. (laughs) And secondly, I wish I sold more cars than the end the in the season to be honest i think it was just that after that it became like quick uh montages of you sell some cars and then we're back at your home or like you know it was just became we, we get it you sell cars you make some money um but i do if there's any regret uh i think it would or any re- list of regrets it would lead with um i wish i sold more cars i wish marty sold more cars um but i do remember that scene that you're talking about I, do, I, I don't remember the details of what, because it's, you know, it's all improvised. It's all, just off the top of my head, it comes, I, I, I gurgitate it out of my body and then let it float around to the ether and there it hangs still out of my memory. So I have no idea uh, what I did. I remember it was bullshit. can tell you that for a certainty. Um, but, and I, and I believe, hey, you tell me, did I succeed? <laughs> Yes, you did see because it went from the they were looking at a one car that was more in the price range. You tried to sell them one that was a little bit pricey, and the guy was like, mm, "Well, I don't know." And I think you got such a high roll that you basically you sold him two cars, the the one that the wife wanted originally, and then the better one. Which is so. What I think I don't know as as we're talking about this, um, and then the wife flipped you off as she drove away. She sure did. Oh, okay. So fuck. Now I don't know where to jump in on here, but I guess I'll just grab that real quick. The whole, I want to apologize, like, as a performer. Sure, I can blame it all on the character, but there you go. Like, the, it, the, the, the lack of follow-through with how I designed the character <laughs> versus how he came out. I mean, I intended for him to be, I don't know, honestly, this intention as I'm thinking about it is inherently toxic. So that's where the apology comes from. 
is I wanted him to be a smooth talking womanizer who could just, but like, and you know, immediately womanizer, we're not going to like you. And somehow my dumbass thought, no, 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 no. But <laughs> he's a womanizer. You're going to love someone you love to hate, which maybe I did achieve. Uh, if people love to hate him, then that's good. That's fine. But I was hoping that he would be someone that genuinely <laughs> every female character would enjoy would 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 be fine with you know he would be able to get through locked doors and get through get get favors get get the uh, achieve things for the crew just by his charm doesn't mean he has to you know engage with any of these any of these women in a way that would hurt them just charm them i really just wanted to make someone who was charming but then and this is due to my bad improv maybe but it's like he just becomes an asshole He's just so womanized, so well-deserved that bird that she flipped him, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, that's the other... So, and, and before we get away from that scene, um, it's kind of like a... I, I hope there was, like, this tragic kind of duality that's you can kind of notice in the situation for Marty there where he's fucking over a family. Oh, yeah, 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 because, like, right after, you literally say, it's like, I love you, too, and then you say, like, the smile leaves his face, and he's like, I love you, too, and he just turns around defeatedly, so we see that he's kind of like, there's a conflict, kind of inner conflict going on, yeah, and, and let me that add- perfectly clear in that episode. Fantastic, yes, okay, great, thank, okay, self five to me, there because and, um, well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say that's also kind of because you see that even still play out through like his interactions with the crew because like he doesn't want to be there, but he knows he basically has to be there because I don't know if it's been explained. He basically, I feel like he owes some sort of debt to Corey. Is the vibes that I'm getting off of it? Is he's in some sort of debt and now he has to do all this stuff with Corey and all of them in order to kind of like repay it off in a sense, not to like the extent that like Jason's character has to do because that one's obvious, but we see like there's some sort of like. Like, he's got to do this for his own reasons kind of feeling. Oh, excuse Oh, I did not mute in time for the burp. Please get that out. <laughs> no, sorry. I almost had a burp earlier, and almost like, should I reenact that scene when one of them burped live on the mic? I had an intrusive thought, because there was, I forget which episode it was. There was one episode where also you hear, eh, that's why you burped on the mic. I'm sure it was motherfucking Jason. <laughs> just going to call him out. Um, Just going to call him out on that. Um uh rewind one second so um i was talking about how uh when we see like marty interact with the crew like at first it was like he doesn't want to be a part of that but there's something that's like yes he has to do it so and it's of course because of his father and i think that's what and i hope it's not too limiting as a character oh it's because his dad is sick his dad is sick his dad is sick not that that's not a huge deal and that's enough to fill overfill a person's plate goodness gracious but um you know i the the complex duality I was hoping to in to, to establish there is he's fucking over a family and it's just I it's a tragic irony because both his work with the crew the in and outs <laughs> and and the kind of work he does at a legitimate business which is still shysty right he it is regrettable for him because he does what he has to do. And unfortunately, I don't know, I guess if there's any kind of tragic moral about him is like, unfortunately, sometimes the things that we're best at are just not good things, you know? Um, And then the, you know, it could be argued like, hey, God gave him one 
one major gift and can you blame him you know that old adage can you blame him for using it um he fucks over a family and upcharges them when they have, they got those little mouths to feed right but he's got a he's got a father to to cure and to save and to nurture so in terms of that that's where he's at in that moment in that opening scene and i and i'm glad that i was able to successfully um at least in your eyes or ears um establish that part of his character when it comes to him and the crew that's interesting that you say that he has some kind of debt i think that that i think that well, if he's the reason ahead. i say that because it's a because well of because it's implied that Corey knows all three of you at some point what that story is we have yet to find out but obviously there was something that happened between marty block and Corey some time ago that she's kept his number around for some reason I feel like that's kind of applied. I mean, I could be absolutely wrong. You guys could take this story like out of the boom and I'll be like, I did not see that coming. So who knows how it's going to turn out. I can neither confirm if you haven't heard the rest of the season, because I don't think they at this, as of this recording, I'm not sure if they've, I don't think the last episode, I think you ended the Moonrock heist and it was uh, spoiler alert for the, for this last episode. But again, it's been like almost a year now since the last episode, but it ended with uh, you getting into the gatekeeper's car and a bunch of mouse with cameras attached to their heads following you. Got it. Yes. Okay. So the final couple episodes have not come out yet. I can neither confirm nor deny um, what's revealed about any history or not revealed. Um, what I can say in terms of the relationship with um, Marty and Corey slash Marty and the crew, you know, I think, um, let's see, what can I say that I'd want to say? Of course. Um I think this is I'm re- I'm reminded of our earlier conversation about my Pablo's place in the Odd Loop crew. I I think that you know we're all family and and Marty's you know it's an interpersonal debt if anything that is definitely present there that I can say um because as the story progresses we see you know cuz I know I know we've passed you passed the episode where like it actually gets kind of hot and heavy around the table um oh yeah in the the kenny's diner kenny's diner and the the whole crew is suspicious of of marty stabbing in the back i'm gonna be perfectly honest with you some behind the scenes tea god the whole moon rock conversation (laughs) i'm trying to figure out how they were gonna split it up yeah and which which literally thought y'all were getting mad at each other it seemed like it felt like it went out it felt like it was went from in the game to out the game and now everyone's arguing over how this is supposed to play out let me tell you something it felt real for me. It felt that what you're hearing is real. We're all good. There was no real argument, but it, except it, except recorded at that table. <laughs> That's probably the most in character I've ever been because, you know, especially because Bravo's um, character voice, when he's really deep in playing the character, he's, he's really down here and he's very reserved like that. But he's upset. He's, uh, you know, he's playing... Uh, um, his character upset and it, it just sounds like Bravo <laughs> and, and I'm keeping it up with the character voice and I'm, and I'm playing the character, but that in hindsight, super funny because I think there was a big misunderstanding that caused like real arguments, right? There's a misunderstanding of what's, of what was being said on both sides. Um, and, and that argument scene, I, I don't know. I have a hard time forgetting that because it did. It, I did feel like we were really arguing, and and that's hey, that's great storytelling. I think um, 
you never want to get too real depending on what the scene's about, right? But um, like if it's a phys- as a physical fight scene, you don't want that to be real. But sometimes, I hate to say it, but for the art, uh, uh, if ooh, if we can call what we're doing art, as <laughs> Griffin McElroy has once said, but um, for the sake of the storytelling, I, I think that that was a really powerful day um, because we real the the um, the distrust was really actually seeded that day. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was uh, major. But as the show goes on, um, I think that their bond. Uh, because I don't want to spoil it, whether or not that stuff really truly gets ironed out if, or where they go. But the bond does develop and evolve between the uh, four of us in the crew and NPC characters. Um, it, 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 does, it does grow. And I think that his Marty's place there because and I, I, I say again, he's he like Pablo sometimes feels like the the odd one out because uh Jesus Christ, Jason and, and Bravo's characters are, and Bex, literally all three of them, are coming from the underworld life. And Marty, while he's a member of the underworld life, is not associated. He just isn't, um, narratively, with the mob life. He's just a, uh, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? He's a, he's a delinquent, right? But he doesn't, we, at least not that we've, what we've established, is He's not, um, he doesn't have the same history to the, to the dueling mob houses, families, right? But he's there and because he needs to be and he, and, and by virtue of that, um, association, he grows, he, they grow on him and he grows on them. And, uh, I think that's all I'm going to say. And I'm going to put a period on it. (laughs) Yeah. So a couple other points I want to hit up. So, uh, Marty's dad is quite oh, yeah. the character to enjoy the silver fox, which we called Wah! Jack Blanc. Jack Blanc, what? yes. Jack Blanc. <laughs> he Jack Blanc. is such a character. Um, just yeah. listening to hear him talk, it's like, that's why they call me the Kip Crew creator. Dad, I did not want to hear that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin plays a great, um, embarrassing dad. And I think that he did a great job of uh, showing us where some of Marty's um, mannerisms and idiosyncrasies come from. His, uh, his, um, facets yeah look at those rocks dad what i'm talking about the moon rocks (laughs) (laughs) that dirty motherfucker (laughs) yeah definitely seeing where some of the flaws come from uh uh what's the word heretically hereditarily (laughs) hereditarily hereditarily and then me and bex talked about this uh, the kind of father-daughter relationship that Corey and marty kind of have going on and I think I especially see that will come out when during the boat fight scene, when Corey becomes crispy Corey and Marty Blanc is trying to get her out of there, like at the last moment before Jason just bashes it to smithereens. God damn. That was, I got fedunked that day in that. I didn't even, I think what I think if I remember correctly, I did like, I tried to do one thing, failed miserably. And yes, became a, uh, uh, Oh yes, you did fail miserably. Marty. You killed a scientist. <laughs> Yeah, yo, well, that was one thing. But for the fight thing, yeah, I got crispy. I got crispy, and that did not work out well. What was the relationship? But rewind a step. What was the relationship you said between Corey and Marty? How did you describe feel, it? It's like I feel some people like almost a father-daughter because there's that whole thing where she's at the museum and you're in the car. You're like hollering her to come over to the car. Oh, interesting. L O L. Well, of course, of course, we recognize this bickering relationship that they have. Like uh, a fa- like a father, like a daughter would with her, like a 
like a daughter would with her father, the bickering. It, yeah. It is a it is a very flexible relationship I'm realizing as I'm talking to you because you say father daughter. I hope for sibling. Like a like it, I hope for like a sibling to brother sister like annoying sibling type, you know, they get on each other's nerves so much. It's mostly Corey on um on Marty's nerves. Um he she she makes his hair go white. But that's what I hope for. That's what I that's what I kind of see. I also put myself in a third party, like uninvolved, you know, vantage point. And I sometimes feel I work. I don't know if worry is the right word, really. But I sometimes wonder if people are going to get a will they won't they relationship out of that, which is interesting that that there's that's a po- at least in my mind, that's a possibility. Sibling and father daughter all seem to be possibilities. However, uh, the latter I, I also hope people don't see that because I think that, at least historically, is kind of a hard thing or a dangerous thing to sow while around an RPG table. You know, it's never like you... I've just noticed that you never really want to establish a romantic relationship between players because look at the look at the, um, the argument thing we just talked about. Uh, some things can feel a little too real and then people get uncomfortable. So... Like the fact that they're and rightfully so, by the way. And so I'm worried sometimes that <laughs> when they're bickering, <laughs> I'm worried that there's people out there just listening, and go, Oh, just kiss. <laughs> that's what and then I also like um that made me think about how uh Kevin has a Bravo's character's sister Sindri always yes. flirting with uh Jason's character, which whose name escapes me right now. Um, yes, uh, my God, it's it's two L's. It's uh, it's um, Leland. Leland. Leland Thank is you. Jace's character, and I completely forget who Bravo's character is. Leland and uh, uh, L- Logan. Logan, yeah, because it was supposed to be the play on the the Dwarven Smith brothers, and that's who Sin and Sindri was one of the brothers. Man, that's where that I, name comes from. Bravo really likes his L names: Leo, Logan, Leland. I know Leland, Jason, but they came up with that shit together. <laughs> Yeah, and oh, uh, what was I? Th- I go just thinking about all the fun moments just from the show, just going through my head because I'm thinking about like the first time that uh, well, first off, I'm thinking about the time when you t- when uh, Marty turns into a pterodactyl to try to escape with the hammer at the construction yeah. site. Gotta say, I know it's gonna sound self and egocentric, but that was fucking metal, and I'm proud of it, and I will not apologize. The, for that moment. You could literally like hear an echo in the brain of uh, face palms as Corey just walks up and she's like, "Hi, we're with the Olympus Mafia family," and uh, <laughs> fucking just the, idiot. The sil- the, all the face palms, just the silent face palms that you could just hear in the back of my head. It's like that meme of the movie theater where they all do the face palms. That's what yep. I was imagining smack, at that smack, moment. Smack, <laughs> smack, 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 smack. Couldn't believe, but uh, but also su- such a fucking idiot. But also Beck's brilliant. Um, comedic. Poor Donnie. <laughs> Poor Donnie. Poor Donnie. Which one? Honestly, there's so many Don. Oh, gotcha. Donnie. yes, because that was another one. We kept, kept naming people Don, Donald, and Donnie. You have the entire goddamn lexicon of names, uh, KFC. And he's like, uh, 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 Donnie. This one's spelled with I-E. This one's spelled with a Y. Man. It's a and, he, and, he, and because y'all kidnapped him, basically, he became a crew theme tag. Yes, yes, which we sometimes, I think... You used him for the heist. I remember you used that tag for the heist. You had there him do is. something in the museum. I almost slipped something that not even you've heard. Um, there's um, 
there's more goodness with there's a little more goodness with Donnie coming up. Let me just say that. I'm waiting for uh the Duke Domino, the race dra- the racer guy. I'm waiting for him to appear at any moment. I know y'all keep talking about him. We're talking about him every well, now and then. Keep waiting, cannot confirm nor deny. I simply will I will not Tom Holland this shit. And then I'm trying to think, oh, I had another scene play out. Oh, when he meets the gatekeeper for the first time. And Marty? that whole scene. Yes, Marty, when he meets the what was it? Oh, um, it was some it. it was some one of those like ah, oh, those one of those like self-indulged like ego kind of names. Like it was like a uh, Agent Hansen or Handsome or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was Ancient <sighs> Yeah, Agent Hansen. I thought his name was Arthur again for a second. It might be another Arthur. Um, but I think it's Agent Hansen, yeah. Yeah, because it was one of those like, oh, it's like one of those, oh, he's like Chad looking chisel full of themselves looking kind of dudes. I remember that. And he's just like, oh, I see you here kind of deal. Yeah, I'm just like Kevin. That's so funny. (laughs) No, but that whole scene trying to see and then like the uh, what was it? The uh, the ripoff of Carl's Jr. that you met him at and you had that kind of like almost battle the minds in the mist in that moment in the parking lot. Oh, and yeah, you, that was good. Yeah, because you were expecting Kevin to pull a move like that where it's like, oh, now you can't use your mythos powers. Like, what? Yeah, he knows I'm a, I'm a sneaky motherfucker and I'm going to pull some shit. Like, he know, I think he just knows. And so it makes him such a pain in the ass for all of us to play with sometimes as we can't get shit by him. And every time he leaves the room, like between sessions, we're like, all right, how are we going to fuck this guy? <laughs> Yeah, and you and you because you built Marty to basically be so persuasive. Like you, you're. I think one role you had like six tags you used, and oh, okay, your tailor made suit is the equivalent of veteran doctors' com. I will yeah. say that right now. I think we might have said that. <laughs> I think we might have also uh, recognized that at some point. Which I told Bex, I'm still waiting for that. Keep calm. Use veteran doctors' com shirt that they talked about in season one to drop. I'm still waiting for that shirt. Uh, you're here. Hey, ask and ye shall receive, folks. Sign a petition. Fucking knock on his door. Here, I'll give you his address. It's I'm kidding, but <laughs> <laughs> like knock on his. Fucking, I hope he hears this and turns white for a second. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Kevin's white enough. Okay, so um, <laughs> yes, because you're all. I'm sorry because you're all Hispanic and he's the only white guy in the group. Kevin is the only. He's the minority. Mayo in you the sandwich, and no offense, you sound much wider than Kevin does. You know, that's fair. That's entirely my life. I actually, so my name is Pablo Jose Mia, and I do not speak a well, not not a lick, but I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish fluently or con- even conversationally. Um, I'm working on it poorly every day. Um, but yes, I was raised to not speak two languages, even though I both my parents. It was a Spanish-speaking household. I'm, I don't want to go too far off here, but suffice it to say, I grew up with English as my first and only language. So when I became a voice actor, it was it was encouraging to join the industry because I have a very, I believe, very non-regional uh, accent, and it's just a standard non-regional white American. And I have been, I've had jobs like survival jobs where. Honest to God, people, and it's, and it's, I really don't want to go down this tangent on this podcast, but like, I get treated better. Sorry. Sorry about it. It's the country we live in. I get treated better when people think I'm some guy named Daniel or Michael or John, you know, I, or Hunter. I'm kidding. Oh, jeez. Like, oh, jeez. But like, people think, and then 
I had a bellman job once and I, I, t- I was talking to a guest on the phone before I brought something up to the room and then I brought it up to the room and like literally they opened the door and their demeanor changed. Anyways, that we talk about that. It's on like a, that. It's thing. like when uh, Gabriel Iglesias, when he talks about using his voice at drive throughs and then he pulls up and it's someone and it's him and not the voice that he used. Yes. Like, a, yes. would you like some friends with that? Oh my God. Yes. And they see, uh, in his words, big fat Mexican pull up to the window. <laughs> yeah. His hey, words, uh, not mine. <laughs> yeah, he has a couple stories that's on this topic. He talks yeah. about also when he did a voice for uh, one of the Cars movies, either Cars or Planes. He did some oh. character and they wanted him to so spice it up. He put more accent on that. Yes. Yeah, spice <laughs> it up. And, you know, yeah, it's a same neighborhood of thought. <sighs> anywho, anywho, back to back to the topic. Yes, uh, Kevin, uh, why, are we, why was I making fun of Kevin? Uh, I oh, honestly oh, don't get the shirt. Get the shirt. Get y'all's shirt, get the shirt if you want it. Sign a petition. <laughs> all y'all get together. Send it to him, and uh, they'll get on it. <laughs> because I'm I'm not administrative in in the crew. I'm I show up to goof around and be and make an ass of myself, and then I go home. Yeah. So okay, we'll kind of rapid fire this really quick. Um, sure, I will so, do my my God's honest best. <laughs> so you're you're. A, so you've all said you're a voice actor, theater guy, actors all around, basically any kind of actor in general. What kind yeah. of got you into that? And just kind of like, what do you, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm losing my brain here. I don't know how to word the question I want to ask. Just what kind, kind of, of guy us, am I? Is that what yeah, you're Yeah, I guess kind, kind of, of sort of like, what do you like? What kind of stuff have you done? Like what got you into it kind of deal? Yeah, I would say. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yes. What what kind of guy am I? What kind? Well, well. Uh, for start, I'm a serial killer. Um, <laughs> <and> then, <laughs> I really hope, man. Shit. I feel I really like hope. we're recording an episode rolling in the mist right now without we've been having this conversation. That was the goal. So I'm gonna tap my Ted my uh, Ted Lasso believe sign and say I I did it because I believed. <laughs> um, because I was going for that. So no, and I man, I really hope I don't. I'm not in the wrong place, wrong time someday. And I am a suspect for a murder because if this is out there, I'm just saying it's the internet. Somehow, some way, sometime, I'm gonna go to jail for something I didn't do. My jokes are gonna bite me in the ass. Um, so that's actually a direct segue to the kind of guy I am. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I've I've been an actor since 2008. Professional. Um, let me think. Let me think. I'm thinking my timelines because. Yes, all around actor since 2008, and I would say professional voice actor since 2016. Um, that's when I was living in Boston. I went to Emerson College uh, to get my BFA in theater and performance. And in 2016, my last full year living there before finishing up at the LA campus, um, I I started working in voiceover in Boston. I uh, came over here, and I interned at a, a company called VoiceOver LA. I interned there, and then they hired me eventually as a brief social media person for them and um and then an office manager and all the while that i was there i was pursuing a a, you know a budding voice act an aspiring but now starting to bud a voice acting career um and i think part of your question was some of the stuff i've done is that right uh yeah i guess just like what kind of stuff have you done so the history, the whole history here is is if you're talking about voice act, acting, no, actually I'm gonna pin that for a second. Rewind when I started acting in 2008 and a little before it was all theater. I come from the theater, um, and it actually along the way became and late, late along the way uh, became apparent to me that not all friggin' actors come from the theater. You know, 
Some start on camera. Some just start in background. Some start just voice acting. It, um, it's it's a very uh, odd and un um, kind of all over the place kind of a career to be in because uh, they're all different depending on where you start. And I am a I am a theater based actor, or as we like to say, I come from the theater. <laughs> the theater. Um, God, God willing, I don't come off pretentious. When I began, I was I was very much a know it all. Um, and and pretentious and i had to be told some hard truths about from my classmates and my my friends at the time and and friends some friends that i still have today um but i that is a that is a um a risk that you take when when you come out for the theater is it so for whatever reason probably because it is matter of factly the the most humbling form of acting because it's raw right you're on stage and you're you there's no takes you do it then and there, then and there, or you d- uh, right, or you don't, and then you have to backpedal and save it in the moment and don't distract from the story too much and, and keep going, do your job, tell the story. Um, and that's what I came from. And like I said, I came from playwriting and a little bit of directing the stage and, um, and stage acting, most of all. Um, I come from a enthusiastically farcical background. My favorite thing to do on stage is French farce, um, which is so big and over the top. And I think that that, background is what has helped what has uh made it difficult for me or or presented a challenge let's say to perfect on camera acting um and even sometimes in the booth for commercial voiceovers is to bring it down to a grounded subtlety in performance because on stage it's just that's one of the big differences of the medium is like i i came from a world of being big and um I think it serves me well in Rolling in the Mist for these uh, colorful characters um, who just, frankly, in my opinion, don't sound like uh, a real day-to-day person. And why should they? You know, because we're dealing in a world where people have superpowers, right? So, um, uh, yeah, I come from that being big on stage kind of world and French farce is as over-the-top as you can possibly, I think, get. Um, that's from that acting background has come from, I've done a lot of plays, uh, for thespians out there. I, you know, I think my first out of school play was, um, or out of school, out of camp, first professional play was rabbit hole by, um, David Lindsay, a bear. I've done dog sees God. And I'm actually friends with the playwright. I'm, I'm grateful to say of dog sees God who wrote easy a, the feature film with Emma stone. Um, let's see, dog sees God, uh, Avenue Q which is where my, oh, that's what we haven't talked about. I'm also a puppeteer. Um, oh, yes, that's that's a memory yeah. from the past. Uh, everyone's a little bit racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone's a little bit. And and then, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't in that song because I played Rod. If you were gay. <laughs> was in that one, thankfully. Um, I loved my time with that show. I did that show at a at a Florida in Northeast Florida. I'm sorry, I said Florida in Northeast, a theater in Northeast oh, no, Florida. No, the song that got the show. I got a fast connection, so I don't have to wait for porn. So if I am to do that show again, I really, really want to play Trekkie slash Nikki, which is nor- normally how they double up the performers. Is I can totally roles. see you being that monster character. That, that uh, just popped in my head when I said that. I was just seeing you just, da-da. <laughs> me love porn. I mean puppetry. <laughs> um, me love. Got him. Oh, there he goes. Got him. Don't cut this out. I want everyone to know oh, the hunter 
let everyone know the hunter has been hunted and and shot down. Um, bam, boom, there you go. So yes, I would love to play Trekkie and uh, and Nikki, which my voice for that is not great right now because I don't have all chambers in my in, my my instrument as we. Uh, very pretentiously say in this in the theater. I honestly got I haven't done a play in a couple of years. Last play I did was um, a play called Really Really with a small theater company here in LA, and that was in 2021. Um, because when I came to, I guess this will get us back on track. <laughs> uh, I came to LA to pursue voice acting, um, also on camera because it's something I've always been interested in doing, and I have done before. I did a lot of you know student films in college and a couple of uh, features and short films that were non-student films. Um, but I wanted to pursue that as well. And, you know, the theater scene, again, in my opinion, uh, in L.A. is just not very strong. There is good theater here. There's great artistry. But uh, the productions are not always, you know, what you would, you know, if you compare apples to brownies to, you know, New York and, and L.A., in my opinion, for the theater scene, um, but that's why since living here for like five and a half, almost six years I've lived here, um, I just ha- I've only done like three plays, I think. Uh, two or three plays. Um, no, three for sure. And so and, the, and when I do those, it's because I need some kind of artistic fulfillment. It's like, hey, I got to do something. And there, that situation might present itself uh, soon. Um, I don't have a, a project lined up for the stage, but I'm I'm interested in looking for one uh with the strikes going on for SAG-AFTRA and WGA sorry to bring that up again but it's uh, really important obviously to me right now um and you know it might provide a, a good opportunity to get back to the stage um but to voiceover I I was in the first break that I got out here speaking of the unions was I was in Metal Gear Survive um I, I voiced a character or a couple characters in that video game which was my first video game um and that was the one that got me Taft Heart lead, which for those who are unfamiliar with that uh, term, it's just a one and done project that gets you eligible to join the SAG after union. Um, so I've been Taft Heart lead from that um, and been SAG eligible, honestly, ever since, um, which I won't get into all that. But I did that um, in the time, I guess, some of the highlights I've done, uh, if people are familiar with Candid Care Company, it's like a remote um like dentures <laughs> you know they'll send you like a retainer you you they send you a mold you give them a mold of your teeth they send you back a custom made retainer they're a, a fairly well known company in the dental industry um i did a commercial for them i've done petco um uh and i did a recent video game that i'm not sure i'm able to talk about yet um but it's a video game by the developers of uh warcraft um that's coming out for, that's a pc game coming out uh next Ooh. year yeah, I'm just kind of jumping all over the resume here. Um, coming out this year, um, I'm a co-star in the sixth episode of the upcoming Michelle Yeoh TV series on Netflix called uh, uh, The Brother's Son. Son as in the sun in the sky. Um, I play a cop in episode six. Um, so that's my TV debut there. Um, that's coming out this year. I don't have a release date for that. Not, I haven't double checked but I know it's coming out this year sometime. At least that was the projection. They released some photos in Deadline, so I know that it's somewhat on track. Um, goodness. Uh, I've done a couple short films, out, a few several short films out here. I'm doing an animated uh, independent series 
called Trouble in Paradise season two. Um, I'm replacing the the protagonist from season one. I'm not sure where that's available yet. He's he's kind of like that's another story. But we're recording season two, um, so that's exciting. I can stop whenever the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's like, yeah, you've just done a lot. And so- I, you know, I, I'm, I, but again, like I said earlier, when I was being entirely too self, self deprecative, maybe not something you've heard, but uh, I would love to like bulldoze the stigma that you have to do something you've heard of to be a working actor. I mean, you know, I, this is a weird um, example, maybe, but like Rick Moranis. Um, from Spaceballs, a lot of uh, Spaceballs and uh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Comedic actor, superstar of the 90s. Um, he's disappeared because he, you know, I think his wife died and he wanted to become a full-time dad. People think mm-hmm. he just disappeared and, hey, he made his fortune so he can live. Not true. He's been doing voice work for decades. He makes a living doing voiceover work and it's stuff that, like, you wouldn't know is, is Rick Moranis because whoever ask the question of who's that voice on that commercial that I'm going to mute between my shows or whatever, or on the radio when I turn it down, like he's all over the place um, and makes a living and it's, and he's of course a working actor. So, um, so I, I have been doing things here and there 20 ooh, last year was a bit of a slow year. This is obviously a slow time with the third times a charm strikes going on <laughs> uh, support your labor union, friends and colleagues in the entertainment industry. Cause if you don't, your shows are not coming back in the fall. They're just not. Um, and that's my little plug of um, uh, activism <laughs> that I'm going to throw in there. Uh, but yes, I've done a lot, a lot of uh, medium, big and small projects here and there. Um, I'm grateful for every opportunity that I get. Um, you know, auditioning is, is, mo- is most of the work. I like to say that actors are professional uh, job appliers. Um, and uh, I, I'm... I'm grateful for every one of those that I get as well because the odds are stacked against you, you know? Yeah, and uh, I don't know where else to go from there. It's Damn, like I brought <laughs> down the house. Uh, listen, no, to your, but... listen, listen to your face. Oh, he's depressed. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, Bex made me, when, we were, when I was talking to her, she made me think about two characters. I can't believe I forgot. Uh, Benny and Lenny. For sure. Oh, my it's God. Like, and they wanted, and we sometimes they called fucking Kenny's the diner in this season. They'll call it Benny or Lenny. I'm like, guys, no, that's Benny and Lenny. This is Kenny's, not Denny's, Benny's, or Lenny's. It's Kenny's. <laughs> yeah, it's but... such a stupid joke. I love it. <laughs> um, Benny and Lenny, man. Oh man, which one was I? I was, I was Benny, I think. Yeah, because oh, it was you and Bravo as a Bravo, Samuel Payne was getting beat up by. The guys, it's like I think forget. It's like it's like my name is Big Sloppy Joe, but everyone else calls me Benny. Everyone calls me Benny. Yeah, yeah. Everyone calls him Benny. Yeah, yeah. Those two, I love fan favorites, and I have said for forever that since that, since their impetus of them, that they need a spinoff um, yeah. series, the father son duo. And then who was uh who was Mister Christmas at the poker table? God, that's another one shot that we, I think Kevin, honestly, I don't want to put him in hot water. Don't quote me, but I believe we had a conversation about uh, doing like a Christmas special or something one-off with Mr. Christmas as the antagonist. Um, Yes, I remember I actually had that same conversation, I think over a chat at one point with Kevin, because I don't remember how it got brought up, but it was something to do with Christmas. 
Let me tell you, that character was entirely improvised on the spot. I did not know. None of us knew that when we got to the poker table, and he grinned. I don't. I, this was before we went to video, right? So you guys didn't know, but he grinned at all of us right before he was like, "Uh, I think it was like Bravo, uh, Pablo, who's at this poker table?" And we went, "Son of a bitch," because <laughs> <laughs> we had to come up with these people. Um, and so I came up with with this guy who was, uh, I don't remember. I do not remember what his uh, shiny name was. green bedazzled outfit with a matching hat and shiny red boots. And everyone oh, no, 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 no. Christmas. Hmm? I, I know. Sorry. I know exactly what he looks like. I know exactly what it sounded like. And I know a little bit of what his like powers were. He had a, he had a ring that had a spire come out like a, like this huge spear spire that yeah. came out of his ring mm-hmm. just by clenching his fist. And I, and he is, if those, this wasn't obvious, he's the, um, what is it called? The, the rift, whatever his mythos is Krampus. Oh, he was legit rift. No. Yeah. That's the thing is like, if we do this again, I didn't I'll, know I'll, that. I thought he was just a dude. Well, I'll spoil this. Absolutely. I'll give this behind the scenes. If it happens, um, we talked, I mean, I hope he doesn't get mad at because we haven't done this yet, but it's an exciting thing. And it, and I thought it was obvious, maybe, maybe not, but, um, he for sure, once as we, as we got to talk to about him more, called him Mr. Christmas just cause he likes Christmas, right? But he dresses and all this, but he's a bad guy. So what's a bad guy who loves Christmas because it's when they're busy. It's fucking Krampus. And the spire <laughs> was supposed to be a, a nod to horns. Um, ah. so he has this special little doohickey that, um, he uses to shank people basically. Cause he's a, he's an, uh, uh, an underling. What, what do you call it? Uh, he's just a, he's a underworld. He's a villain, right? So, but he's like a nuisance kind of like underwhelming little villain who is yet to come into his own and become a real threat. He was a minor threat. Um, and I love that. I think he let me fight as him, which was so funny. Um, yeah, and um, he, who were you at the other poker table scene when uh they when y'all were trying to heist in to get to the back room? Who was who was playing at that table? It was um Farmer was, Jenkins and some, was it um was it the guy that sort of sounds like he's from Fargo and he was like uh, an accountant there? Don't you know? Yes. With it? Yeah, um, and it was and it was a mute the mute Carlos and Greece or something like that at the table too. I think. Yeah, that was Jason, of course. Um, I think, and it might have been Bravo. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, the other poker table, he did it again. I remember the character. I don't remember the name. Samson something comes to mind. Um, but yeah, I, he was for people's imagination. If people also are re- remembering this character, if you can think of Mark Proksh, the actor uh, who plays Ca- Colin Robinson on um, What We Do in the Shadows, that show, that character is exactly who I picture. Um, if you're a fan of Better Call Saul, he's the accountant guy who is, you know, spoiler alert, but like he like gets all this money for a drug dealer and and he spends his money on a very gaudy car and is not subtle at all that he's gotten all this blood money. <laughs> All this dirty money and the drug dealers are like, what the hell? Anyway, Mark Proksh, that character actor who plays very Poindexter-y, Minnesota kind of type uh, uh, characters. That's who I modeled. <sighs> Whatever his name was, Samson something. It's like, could my- you let me get some of that home, please? My wife will beat me if I come home with nothing. My wife will beat me. He's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, dude, are you okay? Are you being emotionally and physically abused at home? He's like, <laughs> that's funny there. <laughs> Gotta laugh. So yeah, don't cry. <laughs> it's just so, so, so sad and disconcerting. 
so disconcerting. Yeah, I <sighs> I wish I remember his name. I'm sorry. I'm the worst. Um, I'm the worst member. I'm gonna say you it. think I, you think member. after listening to y'all so many times, I should know at the top of my head. So I'm doing a disservice by not remembering it at the top of my head. No, I think it, no, that's all right. As long it was as something Jenkins, I know it was something Jenkins. That's all I remember at the top of my it head. It might have been Michael Jenkins or Sam Samson Jenkins or something. I I wish I knew. Uh, we'll get it in the comments, right? We'll get it in the comments. It's like oh. It, I'm just now I'm just remembering all these little moments like when uh, Bravo enters the thing and then there's like, hey, why are they going in? Are you the in, are you in charge of a big giant steel corporation? I run a chain of grocery stores. Not good enough. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> just all these funny little moments from the show that I just love so much. And just well, well hey, guess what? We love what? you. Aww. We love you. Yeah. How do you feel now? Hmm. And um, <laughs> I just thought of this, and it's like I know we talked about like you're concerned about ships and all that, but if I had to ship anyone, Eugene Fritz and Mayor Dracula and Mayor, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, please send Mia your ship art of Eugene Fritz with Mayor Dracula. Oh my you, god! So he can see just how much of an adoration this ship is. No one will get my email. <laughs> no one's getting it. Well, you no can. One. No. <laughs> No, don't tell him. You can message don't. him on Instagram at. Yeah. Oh God, no! Please don't. I send it to Oddlu, and I will get it. Please, I don't want. I don't. I sound like Bob from Bob's Burgers. I, I don't want it. Please, please. Oh God, no more. Please, I don't want to send. I, oh jeez, I hate you. No, um, I had a fanfic in mind of um Samuel Payne and Agent Justice. That would by the way, let me after. Let me clarify. <laughs> Let me clarify. I have no problem with the fact this is a very Seinfeld moment, unfortunately. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Eugene and and the mayor can mack it on in your imaginations all you want. And and I'm happy to see it. I just don't want all the mail. That's that's all it is. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. They can mack it on. They can get it on. You know Let's what? I'm gonna, it it's fun. And you know what? I think that's a beautiful segue to one one. I don't know how many more questions you got in the next uh, couple few minutes we have, but but we are playing around with our characters for the next season, and I do not know if this is uh going to be where it comes to fruition. But it's the only thing that I have working on so far. We've toyed around with the idea of a character named um uh uh well you know what i'm not even gonna say the name the name but i have a name for the next character and he is a like retired porn star so i think that is the next thing that i'm working on buster wood but oh did we talk about this okay In yeah the mid-season q a y'all talked about something about porn names all right you this buster, is not buster wood nothing i'm saying is special then as pre usual uh yeah buster woodman Buster Woodman is that because we were all like, oh, what's the name of your first pet and like the street that you lived on? And at the time I was living on somewhere called Woodman. So <laughs> Buster Woodman. And I was like, holy shit, that sounds like a goddamn porn star. Um, I'm using it. And then I got to figure out what the hell to do with the with the mythos. But yeah, I'm still I'm still in love with that idea and trying to figure out what he does now and how his former adult industry experience factors into the to the story. Um, but I'm excited about that for something to look forward to. Um, I've already listed the uh, painfully self-indulgent things that I'm coming up with in terms of projects. Um, but I think that's like all I uh, 
all I got. Do you have any other specific probings for me? No, we we more than 100%, I think, completed what exactly I wanted to have with this episode. Just being able to, just to have fun, talk about your characters, get to know you a little more. And we thank you. And you, you're you exceeded my expectations. Oh, good. This, so. I hope they all agree. I hope you all agree. And, uh, you know, and, and I just want to say thank you again for, well, thank you, Hunter, for having me on here. And, and thank everybody for just being so just unreasonably supportive um, of what we do and, and the fun that we have. And join us for the fun and uh, keep spreading the word. This is a massive, uh, massive RPG community that we're all a part of, even. Even myself as a um, an invalid in terms of the knowledge <laughs> behind RPGs, I like I just go to have a good time. Um, but um, I'm I'm grateful to be welcomed in, and I'm going to stop rambling with my gratitude. But just thank you so much. You're welcome. Why don't you tell the listeners where we can all find you at? Uh, yeah, sure thing. You can find me at uh at uh, you know what I'm going to keep the suspense because I realize you wanted to call me a dumpster fire. <laughs> in the podcast and you never did and i want yes, you I to did. have right when i introduced you did you do that at the I beginning said, it, we called you the been, real dumpster fire to get but to give chris some justice oh i thought oh so you do have that recorded so you can put that in wherever you want okay yeah <laughs> uh yeah okay great i wanted you to have that it's been two goddamn hours um so i have no idea what's been said um <laughs> all right here we go the suspense is over yeah you can find me i'm mostly just on instagram i i have a twitter which is at pablo j mia m-i-l-l-a i'm sure this will be all typed out but uh mm-hmm. i'm i'm on there as wait i think i might be pablo jose mia on there you'll find me i you'll, you'll recognize me i'm on there but i never use it uh instagram's my main thing um which is uh at if you just put pablo mia you'll find me but it, i have like two underscores on either side of my name so it's like at underscore underscore pablo mia underscore underscore <laughs> and it's uh in my head it's supposed to be my name on stage it's like a stage so lol um i'm at pablo mia on there and then on facebook i have a facebook page also seldom used but sometimes you know that's that's something on there and you can find that at uh i'm just pablo mia the page on there um if you find pablo j mia uh that's my personal and uh i only i i, I love you all but i only accept folks who i have met in person and um have had like you know what i mean like a conversation with <laughs> yeah exactly um, you don't just accept moment. anyone no i don't i don't do that and it drives me up the wall when just on a personal note when my friends do that and i get like i get a friend request from someone i don't know and i see i've got like four mutual friends one of which is a good friend of mine i ask the good friend of mine hey who's uh marshall sampson whatever and like what's with the name sampson in my head today who is this person and they go i have no idea what? Why are you? Why are you friends with them on Facebook? <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't know. I figured I just like went to school with them, man. And I'm like, I don't know why you, fantasy friend of my head, are like such a stoner, a surfer dude. But I'm mad at you for just expecting anybody. How have you not been serial killed? And more so, how have you not been serial killed by me? Because as we've established, that is my survival job is a serial killer. Yes. Oh, and also. Would you like to play as Eugene Fritz or Marty Blanc at your City and Mist TTRPG table? Well, you can if you go to Drive Through RPG and look up the Rolling in the Mist uh, character bundle that they have on there, and you can buy those. I have them all myself. 
So that way, if I ever get the chance to ever play and stop being a forever MC, I'll be able to be play as some of these characters maybe sometime. So you can always play as these wonderful Rolling in the Mist characters at your own table. Hey, you grab those character sheets that are so awesome that we originated on there. I can't even get wrap my head around that. Y'all grab those and and have somebody win to you because do better than I did. Please, just do. That's not a challenge. That's I'm imploring you. Be consistent. Be have growth. Have real growth. Does do the character justice unlike myself and I gave birth to the fuckers. So like just have fun. And I and I and I would love I I would love to hear other people play these characters. I've never done that. I've never heard that. So though you know what? If you guys have out there, that's my invitation. Um, please send all the fan art to Odd Loot, but what you can also send to Odd Loot or me directly if you want, I'll say, if y'all have an episode of of y'all playing these characters, I'd love to hear it. That would be fucking cool. I think that sounds really egotistical, but I don't, I hope it, <laughs> please don't take it that way. I just would, it, I've never, it's cool, man. I've never made a fucking character that other people just play. I've never originated something like that. So as an artist, that's just very exciting for me, and I want to cheer you on. So uh, that's my little invite, I guess. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Mysteries Unknown Podcast at Mist Unk Podcast M I S T U N K Podcast, or you can always email me at Mist Unk Podcast at Gmail dot com. Oh, I will say one last thing. I didn't plug. Um, I need to work on it a little bit, just to be perfectly frank with you all. Uh, but www.pablojmia.com um, is also my actor website. Um, so there is contact for my reps if you're interested in booking for any voiceover or um, or acting work or want to send me a script. There's a way to reach out to me directly, but my reps are on there as well. So pablojmia.com. Mm-hmm. And Pablo, do you remember that trick I showed you? Oh, shit, you're referencing an episode. (laughs) No! What what am I supposed to do in this moment? I'm scared. I'm so scared. No, no, I don't remember the trick. (laughs) You can cut cut this out. Say, tell me what I'm supposed to do, and then do it again. No, that was the... <laughs> I think that's the perfect way we can end this. This is a disaster. So, yes, this is a travesty. And now 